0: Well, first I'm going to share a, a, a short testimony. Thursday night, I was cutting some wood in the garage, and my son and I put a little heater in there, and the fan was running on it. and <coughs> Thursday Thursday night, probably after 10 o'clock, <coughs> I get this little thing, and I'm thinking, yeah, I didn't. I don't remember if I kept my mouth shut when I was cutting. <coughs> fan blowing me, breathing in, so I'm thinking, eh, it there's a little sawdust chips or something, you know. No big thing. My wife says, oh, I could tell the way you were hacking away that it was something more than that. So Friday, I'm like, Get up and I can feel this in here and all that, you know, and I'm like, Well, ain't that something? I really like it that the kingdom of darkness is just not that smart. You know, I mean, Oh, isn't that cool? You just happened to plan. And then I got thinking, Oh, yeah, my dad or my, my boss's dad has been running around all week, <coughs> you know, sounding like a cow with a bad cough. And, um, well, here you are, your turn, you're going to give me this, and I'm supposed to preach Sunday. And I thought, man, Lucifer, you just, you're a few bricks shy of a happy meal, you know, oh, yeah. or what is that, a few fries shy of a happy meal? Yeah. And so I took on Friday afternoon, and I'm sort of thinking, and it's like, okay, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm talking to the Lord, but yet I'm wanting him to do this. And then his word comes and says, no, Tim, you speak to the mountain. And so I spoke to it. And from that point on, it has never gotten worse, and it has degressed. And then the neat thing was, I was thinking, okay, boy, got to sing, and then I'm going to do this. Well, I grabbed a few halls. Do you want a couple more, Chloe? I mean, I got. I don't think. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not using them because while we're singing that first song, when it came to the part of the healed, I heard it. It left, you know, and I'm like. Wasn't sure, Lord, going to be a little scratchy, and then it just—it was just gone. <laughs> look at that! Look at that! Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yes, we're waiting for our timetable, not His. There was the problem. I wanted it gone before it was time to get here. He said, "I'll give you the words to say in the hour, so don't worry." So, thank you. For coming, thank you for being here each and every one, and um, yeah, God laid this on me it was, actually it 's not my whole it 's a message from family Bible conference in two thousand and thirteen by Andrew Mantis. and um, but the Lord showed me the four chairs and the four people. He even picked you four people out that are going to set up here <laughs> isn 't like in school you know we're in the corner with the little cone, you know don't take the cone off, turn it upside down, leave it on you know. Um, No, no, these are are points in time in history, and I'm I'm just looking forward to what God is going to do with this. Um, So let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege, for the honor, for the glory that is ours that you have given unto us. Father, that we get to come boldly before you. And not in fear and trembling, Father. But we can come boldly into your presence, into your very throne room, and not just sit at your feet, Father. We get to sit on your lap. We get to feel those big arms. We get to feel the strength in that bosom, the love and the care, Mm, the admiration, the tenderness, the warmth. And, Father, this morning, I just give myself, Father, as a vessel for you to use. And, Father, make this voice box your box. Mm. Father, these are your sons and daughters this morning. Mm. Mm, Father, edify them, glorify yourself in the midst of them, Father. Father. Mm. make yourself known unto them in a way that they have not known before. Let them see, give them eyes that will see and ears that will hear and hearts that will understand and a mind that will receive your word, Father, this morning in the trueness depths of it, that you be glorified. For we ask it in the name of the one who sits at your right hand. Amen. Amen. Well, since I am not that tech savvy, I still have a printer and paper, though. So there's the, the only verses I, will, I have them printed off because I thought, man, we'd be here till Monday night if I tried to flip these through. Um, I do have a couple that will go on my phone. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Good grief. I'm going to have to take these up because I don't need them, don't want them. And thank you, Jesus. They are non-usable to me. So if any, anybody needs one, um, Proverbs chapter 6 <clears throat> is a verse we'll start with, but then we have got a whole bunch of verses here. But this message was just something that is, I've watched the thing, the DVD several times, and, and every time I watch it, I just cannot get enough of it. You know, there's, there is some new piece of revelation a new word, a new term that is spoken that just, boom, jumps down inside of you and plants itself and takes hold. But in Proverbs 16:6, 6, most all of these are going to be on the Amplified. By mercy and love, truth and fidelity to God and man, not, to be, not by sacrificial offerings, iniquity is purged out of the heart, and by the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord, men depart from and avoid evil. Now, if you read that in the King James, it sort of sounds like it's something we're supposed to be doing. And really, the only part that we're supposed to be doing is that fearful reverence. I mean, he's not a God that's fearful that's up there, you know, who's looking to crown you with a ball-peen hammer, you know? He's the God that's up there who, who I just prayed. and just. I mean, I just didn't pray that. I mean, I know what that is. And you know, as a kid, those times when you sat in your parents' lap and you felt the strength, You felt the warmth and you felt the love. And guess what? Our multiplication table don't even go high enough to make that. what that's like to sit in God's lap. You know, I've shared that before, I think, up here that God showed me one time his throne room, like this platform. And there's little blocks and toys scattered all over. And my dad, my dad sits up here. He's on his throne all calm and cool. And I'm down here playing. Man, that is a safe, warm place. I have no fears. Hi, Emily, love you. You know? There's, there's, there's no fears. It's your toys. It's your fun room. It's your relax room. And you're In your Father's presence. I mean, I, I just I don't, it doesn't get no better than that. Until we get to be with Him. And then, I don't know, I've already been with Him. So if I get to play in His presence... What's it going to be when I go to heaven? It's just I really get to touch him, material, physically, spiritual. I'll get to I'll get to i get to get a hold of him. Here I get to feel that presence and sense his presence around me. <clears throat> One of the things Andrew's uh, statement he has in here he says he's done he's been preaching for some thirty years he's been in the ministry or more. He says as he has traveled he sees the same problem in many different cultures of the same struggle with Christians, that is to live out and experience the victorious life that the Bible says is ours, that which belongs to us as the sons and daughters of God. You know, when I hear him say that, and I read that, and I've been doing that over and over, and it's like, you know, that's, that's right on. I mean, we read the Bible, we hear the Bible, we get great teaching and preaching, and we got all this information coming to us, and yet, where's our victorious life? Why do we have so many bombardings? Why, is it, why does it seem so hard to live the victorious life? <clears throat> Most of the struggles that we have as believers live with and experience on a daily basis spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally come out of an erroneous and inaccurate belief we have about the true nature of God. And I can pretty well say that I believe that everybody that's sitting here has been in a church where if you don't do it, you ain't going to get it. And I had a teacher and say, you ain't supposed to say ain't. Well, you ain't supposed to say ain't three times a day because it just ain't right. Oh, well, ain't doing it again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 a, wrong, it's a wrong mind in the word again and again. And we've been discussing that in, in, in small group, you know? Spirit, body, soul, mind, will, and emotions. There's the valve. There's the block. There's the cap. There's the connection. And when this thing here, I had one man tell me one time, he says, you've got it here, but you've got a bottleneck. This thing here. No wonder the Bible talks about getting your mind transformed and renewed. There is also an inaccurate and erroneous belief in who we are as Christians. I mean, I, I got a pretty good idea. I mean, everybody here knows who the Irish Christians Christians. They're born again. have been saved. They're on their way to heaven. But is that it? Is that the end? Period? There's a whole lot more. <clears throat> Why do we have this inaccurate image of ourselves? There's a few reasons. One of them is sin. Adam sinned. He fell. It goofed up a lot of things. Sin has helped create a hostility in our mind towards God. Another one is our parents. How do we do that? <laughs> uh, Ephesians 6.4 gives us um, commands. Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not, I like this word, exasperate them to resentment. Ouch. Ouch, that one hurt. But rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. Colossians three twenty one. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they become discouraged and sullen and morse and feel inferior and frustrated. And then it ends, do not break their spirit. You know, That's easily done. It don't take a lot of years for you to keep telling a kid that you're just not worth it. You're not going to make it. You can't do it. Is that the best you got? It stinks. And you can, I mean, I've been there. That's one of the things the Lord is still healing between me and my son. That I ask God on a regular basis. You know, I did that. You know, and that's, you can't do anything with a 12-gauge compared to what that does to a son when you do that. But I'm glad that God gives you hope. He is the repairer of the breach. He restores the brokenhearted. That's where your hope is. <clears throat> Some of the company we keep Brings this erroneous, accurate. You get working around some friends or people or whatever like that, and they're just like, you know, same, same words you do with your kids if you're not watching it. Boss comes down on you. you screwed up on that, you're this or that. You get harassed all the time at work. Well, you know, there's, there's that little creep coming in. You're not good enough. You're not measuring up. You're not measuring up. You're not measuring up. You're never going to make You're never going to make it. You want that promotion? Well, you better get your hind end busting because you ain't doing it like that. You know, all those things that get trickled in on us. To us, it doesn't seem like much. But now you take that little, that little nugget and you throw it at that person again and again and again and hit them right between the eyes. Pretty soon, they start thinking that. I really am not going to make it. I really am not that good well, I guess I just might as well be satisfied where I'm at and just shut up and keep going. That's all a lie from the enemy. Well, that goes along with the next one I have here, our life experience. That's part of life experience. You try, you try, you try healing, you try reading your Bible, you try praying, and man, it seems like nothing is working in the Christian life, and it's like, why don't I just crawl in the corner in a back pew and I'll show up on Sundays and, Go home and show up next Sunday and, you know, just, just I just do the routine. I just do the same thing over and over and all looks good. But down inside, nothing's working in the Christian life. Where is this victorious life? Where is this deliverance? Where is this healing? Where is this prosperity? Where is it? It just doesn't seem to be here. Well, my desire is that we get to the last part of this and what these things here represent and what you will see. I believe that it will grab hold of you and put a picture in your mind of what God has done, what God has prepared, when he prepared. That, that's, that's what's rocking my boat is when I found out when I was really loved. Not the point in time when I got a little glimpse of it here, but when it really, really happened. When love Really became and was mine. <clears throat> through some or all of these experiences, family, we are we have devalued ourselves as to who we really are, our identity, who we, <clears throat> excuse me, who we are in the picture as believers, who God created us to be. And if, you're, and if, you, if you've been around the word at all or around church at all you'll know that again and again, you're going to hear that. God did not create any losers. And so, I mean, I'm, I've been there. I've felt that. believed Not just felt that, I believed it and lived it. I was a loser. I was never going to make anything. It's one of the reasons I always got a farm and a job. <laughs> Cows, how hard are they? They move. Come on, get, get, yeah. You know, it doesn't take a real high IQ. You know, there's another place I know. And, and, and you know, and I'm not saying this and degrading myself. It's just God has shown me this, this belief system that I had. That I am not, I'm not worth any more than that. That's what I thought. But as I start hearing the word and started really getting the word and understanding his love and that for me, it's like. He has got way much more. This may be a point in time right now that I am doing that provides the needs for my family, but there is something more. And so, okay, I need to be a wise steward of the time where he has me here so that when he prepares and opens this door, I am able to walk into it and prosper and bless and multiply his blessings upon those around me. Not just, not just to fill up my own bank account, my own gas tank, my own back end of my pickup or minivan whatever. But the whole thing is that you can receive, and just like he showed me, I mean, that's all I am here this morning, folks. I am nobody special. <laughs> Dwayne Scherf put it, says, you're not, how's he, how does he put that? Oh, what was that? Oh, you're not that valuable. You know, and you start thinking, man, I'm really, hey, I'm something, really, hey, I'm something over here. Woo-wee. No, you're not, no, that's the other word he says, you're not that important. That's what it is. <laughs> you're not that important. But I am a vessel in the kingdom. And we're all a vessel in the kingdom. And so when anybody, you know, gets that word out there, you know, telling you you don't think, you don't, you're not that good, you're not worth anything, according to the world, they can receive that. But according to the word, I am a chosen vessel. I have been set apart. Every single one of you have been set apart to do a work that somebody else, can't do and you know there might even be a group that's set apart to do a work whether that's four 400, four hundred four thousand I don't know but everyone here is a chosen vessel and there's something you can do and you will do there is a need in every heart and it's not condemnation and guilt you ever get that that's not a need. That's just what the definition is. That's condemnation and guilt. Man, that's that stuff to push you down and crush you and put you under a stool and then sit on it. The greatest need of the human heart, I love this, is to belong, to matter, to be loved, and to be accepted. There's not a one of you in here that those four things don't apply to you. You want to belong somewhere. You want to know that you matter in this life. Even in, the, in your own life, you want to know that you matter. You want to know that you're loved. If you're not loved, if you're not loved, you, you haven't got hope. And I understand why people commit suicide and do some of the things they do because man, if you don't have those things in here and you don't believe that you're worth something, I heard I mean, you There's no hope. And if you don't have hope, it's like, why am I even existing? Why am I sucking oxygen? If it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't what we're going to see later on, I wouldn't be here. I can tell you that because I've tried that. Because it's just like, what's the use? Why get up every morning and go through this crap and put up with this crap? And junk. And you can make it simple in life, four letter word, it sucks. <laughs> you know, be, it's, let's be real. Don't, don't, you know, don't, don't come in here all cooling, you know, you got everything cooling together. Bah, humbug, neither do I. Hallelujah. Thank you for being part of the family that's broken. Now let's see how we can get fixed. One of the reasons people continue in sin is that they are trying to fulfill the need to belong, to matter, to be loved, and be accepted. Maybe I'm the only one, I don't know, but I don't believe that. But that was what I did in the days in high school. That's why I went to the parties. That's why I drank. That's why I did the booze, and that's why I chased the girls. That's why I had the loudest exhaust on the cars I possibly could. Take the hacksaw and cut them pipes off, and run it in first gear down through town, and whew, shut it off when the cop pulls out, and coast on down, start it back up, keep going, again. you know all that ignorant stuff. Why? Hey, look at me. Why did why did I want that? I wanted to belong. I wanted to matter. I wanted to be accepted, and I wanted to be loved by friends. Did all those dumb things to receive that? Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. God said, Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image, after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the tame beasts, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. And the an image of, and likeness of God, he created male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. There is every indication that God made Adam and Eve To belong, to matter, to be loved, and be accepted. When you read that and look at that, all this, you matter to me. You belong here. He's handing all this out. Here's all these things. I want you to subdue it. The fish, the birds, everything. All the fruits, all the trees, the veggies. You belong. You matter. You mean something to me. He created all of that because they were worth something they were worth something why do you think there's such a void in our lives that if we don't have Jesus we don't have the word we don't get into the word this void just is running rampant trying to find something to fulfill that because right here he created it for us and there's nothing else I mean I haven't tried at all but I tried a lot and it never fulfilled. You know, even smoking the cigarettes got boring. I switched to cigars. And then I got tired of the cigars and started smoking the little wrong Swisher Sweets because they tasted good. Never did like the things. And just gnawed on it. it was like candy. <laughs> Everyone smoked that? No. It tastes better. Like this. You know? And why was I doing that? Same thing. <gasps> I wanted to belong, to matter, to be loved, and be accepted. Well, gal about 1999 is when all of a sudden I realized I really did belong, matter, accepted, and loved. I got saved in 1978. And by doing all the do's, I thought I was belonging, loved, matter, and blah, blah. And it's like, that got to be horrid. That really did suck. (laughs) That really did. And then in 1999, God went, look, Timmy. And it's like, wow, I can remember my wife's words yet. We're sitting on a bathroom floor, bawling like kindergartners, got whipped. (laughs) We didn't get whipped. In a motel room, and she said, it's like scales fell off your eyes. Because you know what? Found out I belonged to somebody. I mattered to somebody. I was loved by somebody and I am accepted by somebody. And when that starts trickling down in here, I want to cover the mic and scream. That will change your life. You cannot stay the same. From the beginning, hmm, before day one, God's relationship toward man has always been based on his everlasting, unconditional, and unchanging love toward mankind. Man's relationship toward God since the fall has been based on a reverential respect and fearful regard. This is why it is so easy to relate to God as an angry God. I mean, we get, religion gives you so much of the Old Testament, so much of the do's, and if you don't do, guess what? Thunder is coming down on you. <laughs> he is going to whoop your butt, as mama used to say. I'm going to whoop you. Go get the willow branch. <laughs> no, please. Not the willow, not the willow. They've been too well. You know, you know we've, we've had that ingrained. And so all of a sudden, here you get born again, and you got this God that sits up on a throne, <laughs> you know, this great high and holy God, Jehovah, Yahweh. Did you just hear that in the tone of my voice? He is so high and so lofty that, oh, thou son of man, who art thou? No. That's a voice that's got to be changed in here. Abba, Daddy. (laughs) Abba, Daddy. Father, not, I am God. No, 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 no. No, no, no. He is God, but he is such a God that he was willing to come down to be like you and me. Transformed, renewed. That's where we get the attitude that God is just waiting to squash you like a bug or a worm. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 We get where Adam, or God, comes down in the cool of the day. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. Now, did you hear that? Adam said, I heard the sound of you walking. He recognized that. It was a regular thing. Okay? You see that? It's a regular thing. I heard the sound of you walking. Normal. Every day, I can hear Emily. I can hear Joyce. They can hear Tim walking through the house. Familiar sound. Familiar sound. Okay? I was naked and hid myself. Who changed? Who changed? Man. At the fall. God did not change, folks. We quote that verse, and I don't think there's a person here came, well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bless God. Well then show me. If he was the same God then in the garden, that they heard him walking, I heard the sound of you walking, and in the cool of the day, it's the same, the same today. You can hear him walking in the cool of the day to fellowship with you. The only one that had a brain change was Adam. God didn't have a brain change. He didn't go, ooh, 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 he is naked, ooh, they're naked. Oh, hey, get some goats over here. Somebody, hey, Michael, Gabriel, you want to skin them guys? Ooh, get them some clothes. He created them. He had the same mindset, the same love, the same attitude, the same disposition. That didn't change. It was our view changed of him. His view was still the same, still the same. From the beginning, beginning, before day one, God's relationship toward man. Whoops, I don't hear. The reverent, the revelation of the gospel and work of Jesus Christ is to uncover and reveal God's unconditional love for mankind. We all know this, John 3:16 and 17. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, he even gave up his only begotten unique son, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have everlasting life or eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. Quite a difference in there. One's saying destruction, and the other one's saying, make it safe and sound. I don't know about you, but I think I can cling to something that's safe and sound a little better than I can, you know. Rosebush is really nice and smells sweet, but man, you grab them stems. They'll give you lasting memories. <clears throat> so God is not changed. And it's pretty neat. Jesus comes after he uh you know before he starts his ministry, after he goes through the wilderness for the 40 days and is tempted. He comes out of the wilderness and goes to the book of Isaiah. Very interesting. Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce, release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. Now, does that sound like somebody that wants to come over and, oh, got that little roach, didn't I? You know, it, just, it does. Pastor, if you want, it boggles my mind. How you can read the Word, and I mean, my wife has told me, you know, we've been there, but I'm trying to think, how was I there? It's been far enough back that I'm not sure how I got there, because as I, as, I, as I read it, you know, it's like, where did we get that, that this God is this big, condemning, monstrous ogre outfit? If you read, I mean, I'm not an English major, good heavens, but you just read that. Send forth as delivered those who were oppressed, who were downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken, down by calamity, to proclaim the acceptable, accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. Man, to me, that does not make sense that that's a condemning God. He wants to step on, beat up, run over, back up, and do it again. It doesn't say that. It's not there. Is he going to judge? He's going to judge accordingly. Yes. But we are so blessed because we are in a time, and I'm jumping ahead here. We are in a time, that last verse, Luke 19, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. That's the dispensation we are in now. Isaiah 61, where he's referring to here from Luke. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now, does that sound like somebody that's coming to beat the living snot out of you? It's, I remember one preacher said, You know, you have to be taught that. If you just read the word and, and you know, and, I mean, I'm an old King James guy, but I'm really liking the Amplified and like some of the message too. You know, I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm being transformed and renewed. But read it in that Amplified. That's, that's, it's really an awesome translation. And how can you read that and then think that that guy that sits up there in the throne who created you is just waiting for a moment in time for you to screw up so he can just got that little sucker. You've got to be taught. You've got to be beat down by somebody or something to believe that's the same God. It's 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 just not there. We are in God's age of acceptance. I mean, back in Isaiah, prophesied it. And then in Luke, when Jesus comes out of the garden, he opens up the book, and the first thing he goes to is, boom. I am anointed to preach to the captives, to set at liberty. I am anointed, he said, to set at liberty. Opening up the prisons. Setting people free. And did you know that we're in that dispensation of time? That's where we're at now. The acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus came so that no matter what you think, no matter what you've been taught, you are accepted by the Father. Race, color, creed, language, blah, 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 all that stuff. You are accepted. Not rejected. Rejected condemned, confused, tossed out, unworthy, junk, trash. You're not that anymore. A lot of us have been taught that. We've lived our whole lives under that condemnation like that. But the Bible says he was sent to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor, and I would much rather be in somebody's favor than on somebody's blacklist. Right. And when so far that I've found, and you know and I can be wrong, that's that's true. I've not found him having a little hit list. You know, he's just checking off, waiting for somebody to <laughs> oh go <laughs> oh. down. He, The only sight he has set on you is to bless you, to love you, to lift you up, to hug you, to hold you, to nourish you, to cuddle you. You think cuddling a baby is something? You wait till you see how God wants to cuddle you. Oh, they're so cute and sweet. Woo, yes, hallelujah. That's what he thinks of you. Woo, hallelujah. They came to me. They're mine. Whoa, I can love them and hug them and nourish them and strengthen them and build them up in the most holy faith. Man, grab hold of that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Not can you or do you qualify for his acceptance. It's not can you qualify, and it's not do you qualify. His word is past tense. You have been accepted. You have been loved. Catch that, that's past tense. See, if it's, if it's past tense, and where you're at today, there isn't nothing you can do. It's past It's past tense. All you get to do is have it past tense you have been you are in the acceptable you you have been accepted already the only thing you can do is reject the acceptance that's the only thing you get to do if you want you can reject the acceptance but you have already been accepted because of calvary you're already accepted you already belong you already matter you're already loved what was the fourth one to belong, to accept, to matter, to be loved. You're already that. You're already. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. While we were still. J.B. Phillips' translation puts it this way. The proof of God's love for people is this. That while you could not help yourself, Jesus died for you on the cross. Now that hits pretty hard, doesn't it? While you could not help yourself, wasn't a single thing you could do, Jesus volunteered. I'm already there. I'm already there. Wasn't nothing, not a thing you could do. Not a thing you could do. Paul in Romans eight thirty eight and 39 <clears throat> says, For I am persuaded beyond doubt, am sure, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus." The word persuaded, it's interesting. If Paul said he's persuaded, then there must have been a point in time where he really wasn't persuaded, was he? Have you ever been a point in time where you weren't persuaded and then all of a sudden you became persuaded? I know when Ma got the switch out, we became persuaded. <laughs> Until then, we weren't persuaded. We couldn't do that. But when our rear ends got one, we realized, I'm persuaded. I shouldn't do that. You know? Usually it usually didn't take more than one swat either. Second and third were just confirmation notes. Um, (laughs) We need to be fully persuaded that God loves us without caution, without regret, without boundaries, and without limits. Did you hear that? Without caution, without regret, without boundaries, and without limits. And you've heard that, and people say it, and I'm sure, you know, Oh, I know God loves me, but <clears throat> uh, without caution, without regret, without boundaries, without limits, where don't you fit in there? Here's a sign. You know? But, 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 but I've done. <whistles> where don't you fit in there? <laughs> like one semi driver. Up, you know, he's got a set of doubles he's going to make the wide turn sure enough you know you're making that big wide right turn somebody's got to think oh well there's room for me to get in there no this is a truck buddy you're going around the corner I'm going to need two lanes and then the other half of that one okay well boom guy catches the car <coughs> he gets out goes back to the guy in the car and he says I got seven blinkers on here which one didn't you see <laughs> you know which one didn't you see they're all working you know Without caution, without regret, without boundaries, without limits. I know God loves me, but I don't want. Yes, I do. I do want to pop your bubble. I want to smash it. I want to annihilate it. There is no buts in the kingdom of God. I love you, but I really regret that. Oh, geez, I wish I hadn't have said I loved them. He doesn't do that. <laughs> well, I promise, but oh. Can I take that one back? No. There is no buts in the kingdom. You see, the message of the gospel is that God cannot stop loving you. No matter what has happened in the past, no matter what is happening now, no matter what might happen in the future, God cannot, and he will not, and refuses to stop loving you. Jesus came, past tense. His love Past tense. Has all been flood upon you already. John chapter 17. Jesus' high priestly prayer. 17, chapter 17, verse 20. Neither for those alone do I pray... It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever come to believe in, trust in, cling to, rely on me through their word and teaching, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that you also may be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. I'm going to have to skip through a few Some words, glory. The word glory is the word doxa, which is, talks about dignity, dignities, glory, glorious honor. But in uh, Thayer's um, Greek lexicon, it talks about this word here means the opinion, estimate, and judgment Our view of God. You know, I hear the word glory, and what do I think? Ooh, cloud in the presence of God come rolling in. Something's talking about here. It's talking about his view, his opinion, his judgment, the estimate that he has of Jesus when Jesus is praying here, and he says the word glory. Well, that's in verse twenty-four. Father, I desire that they also whom have you have entrusted me as your gift to me may be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which thou hast given me, your loved gift to me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. That's his view and estimate. I guess I'm going to have to jump down here. <clears throat> um, to the little word picture here, if I could have Bob and Pastor Chad and Tom and John come on up. This is the part that the Lord showed me. Even, even where these guys were going to sit, that's what sort of like, okay, okay, Lord. Pastor Chaddy gets set there, and Bob is sitting there. John gets to sit here, and Tom gets to sit here. <clears throat> Through all these verses, and there's many, many more we could go. God sent his son to die on the cross. Tom's representing the cross. Bob represents in the beginning, Genesis 1-1. Adam fell, Jesus came, and we have the gospel, the New Testament, the acceptable year of the Lord. Hmm. If Jesus came to repair what Adam fell short of, when Adam fell, it sort of caught God off guard, didn't it? I had to get Jesus to come to take care of what Adam broke. That's, that's, that's where most of us are at because, because, we, because we all begin here. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. And now we have the story of the Gospels and the Old Testament and the 400 silent years and all that. We all start here in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. Beginning created, Adam fell, Jesus came, fixed what Adam broke, and we have the New Testament. But that's not so, because you see the word foundation. That's the building. You you start with something. The very point. The very point that something has begun. The conception of it. It says, "From before the foundations of the world." John chapter seventeen, verse twenty-four. <clears throat> the laying of a foundation. Figuratively, the conception, to conceive. Part of that word even talks about the conception of when the sperm meets the egg of a woman. Conception, conception. That word foundation, that's what it's talking about. When he says, you have loved me before the foundation of the world. And the word world is cosmos, cosmos. See, there was nothing. You go back there in Genesis, and it says, And, it says, and the Spirit brooded or hovered over the earth. Because the earth was, with form and without, was void and without form. So when he's saying, before the foundation of the world, before the conception of in the beginning, day one, creating, day two, day three, before that, this is what's cool. Jesus's, or God's love and admiration for us did not start here, did not start here with Adam, did not start here with Jesus, and did not start here in the New Testament. His love for us before the foundation of the world, before any of this happened, he Loved you. See, he knew Adam was going to fall. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, he says, I know that it is not in man, I'm paraphrasing this, I know it is not in man to direct his own steps. God knew that we as human beings, he knew that Adam wasn't going to do it, couldn't do it. We don't even have the ability to direct our own steps. We need to rely on the Word. We need to have that because we're not made to direct our own steps. We're to go by the what? The leading of the Holy Spirit. So you see, this Genesis 1 1, the fall of Adam, Jesus' death on the cross was planned before the world was ever conceived and it's in 2 Peter, and it's in Titus, uses the same exact words in Matthew chapter 13, the exact same words, before the foundation of the world. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have trusted, entrusted to me as your gift to me, may be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, your loved gift to me, For you loved me before the foundation of the world. It's also in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. No, I'm wrong on that one, sorry. That's in verse 4. Even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. Consecrated and set apart for him. And blameless in his sight. Listen to this. Even above reproach before him in love. Well, I'll be a skin chicken. Above reproach. Before he said, Let us make man in our own image. You were without reproach before him in love because of the cross that he already had destined, planned, ordained, was going to happen. It wasn't like, oh gosh, Adam fell, doggone it now, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Michael, Gabriel, can you help me? No. No. Nothing caught him off guard. He knew Adam would fall. He knew man couldn't do it. But he still went ahead and did it. Why? Because he loved us. He wants to have fellowship with us, he wants to hug and hold us. He just didn't want to say, Well, I want to see how these monkeys swing from tree to tree. He didn't do it as a joke. He didn't do it just for something to do because he needed something. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Already had a relationship. Already had love. Already had it all. Didn't need anything. But because he loved human, he loved mankind. He wanted to share his love. He wanted to bless. He wanted to prosper. He wanted to hug and hold. He did it anyways. He created man. And he made that whole decision way back over here before he ever said, in the beginning, day one. Before that, you were loved. Let that sink in. Let that sink in that... Jesus did not die on the cross to fix just what Adam broke. Did he do that? Yes, he did. Hallelujah, he did that. But that is not the reason. See, God knew that when he began, Adam was going to fall. And it's like, that. you know, what happened between in the beginning and the cross <clears throat> was no surprise to God, didn't do any confusion or cause anything, Because way back over there, he already had it planned and set out. Okay, I'm going to create man in my image. And we're going to love and we're going to adore him. He's going to fall. Whoopee. (laughs) See, no big deal. Because I already have Jesus waiting and ready to redeem what man lacked. And from that, comes the gospel with which we have to enjoy and live by every single day of our life. And so it comes down to, if you lack, you're not in that. Because that is the New Testament. And it has everything for us. And so God's love for you is not a second thought. It was the very first thought. It was not an afterthought. I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I can almost imagine that. You know, Adam falling and God's like, oh, bummer. What a, oh, good grief. Now what in are we going to do? Holy Spirit. Well, we can always send Jesus, make him a man, let him get fried. <laughs> See, was, you got to get, get that picture in there. None of it was a, oh, moment to God. He said, I know. I know man's going to fall. But I've already got it covered. Already got it taken care of. Already got it planned. Already signed, sealed, and delivered. And you didn't even exist. Now if that isn't magnificent, awesome, majestic, and worth grabbing a hold of. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. Then I don't know what you can grab hold of. If you have a God who before anything existed planned for you, knew everything that was going to fall and come down through time, but still did it anyways because he wanted to spend time with you. If you don't belong, and you don't matter, and you're not loved, and you're not accepted because of that, I don't think there's anything on the planet that you can get accepted, loved, and belonged with. There's nothing the world has to offer that can do that. It doesn't have anything to compare Okay, you gentlemen can go on. Thank you. What Uh <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Oh shoot. Oh. Well, I hope you were blessed. I hope I hope you got a little bit of a visual of how much your dad really cares for you. And you know, I know earthly dads fail and moms. You know. We do our best. You know, and that's what we're to do. We keep using this and do our best. But, you know, we would go back and look at this and realize, you know, no matter where we fail, no matter what we've done in the past, no matter what's going on now, no matter what's going to happen in the future, you are in the year of acceptance. There's another verse in there, a couple of them, that talks about he was sent as the adoption to adopt us into his family. See, part of it is not just being save and going to heaven. Part of it is being family. And I understand now that why the Lord showed me that picture of him sitting up there and me playing in the room. I'm adopted. I'm accepted. I'm family. I'm not an outsider that was brought in. I am family. And if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, You are now hereby fully accepted, loved, and matter, and family. Family. No way, nobody, don't let anybody ever tell you, you're not part of something great. You are part of the family of God, and it's not because you sit in a pew or attend a certain church. It's because you're born again in here, what Jesus Christ did on Calvary and what his Father planned before you were, a conception. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for your word that is so alive. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who does guide and direct Mm. Father, I just release this word to continue to soak into our minds and our hearts Mm. (laughs) that our wax-coated ears become melted some so that it goes deep into us, that we can see, Father, that it's not just because of Jesus dying on the cross that we are loved, but it's because you loved us before Jesus went to the cross. It was what you planned all along was to love us, accept us, to make us belong and matter to your family. Bless these people, Father. Bless them. Bless them, Holy One of Israel. Mm, Do that. Just put your arms round about them. Let them sense the presence of you, Father, just hugging and loving them like nobody else can. Nobody else can hug and love like you. Nobody. Nobody. So I thank you, Father, for your word this day and for your time that you have prepared for us, that you've ordained and given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Caris New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.